Of all the stories and folklore and legends that we tell around Christmas time, stories about uh, Grinches that steal Christmas, and Scrooges, and Santa Claus, and uh, snowmen, and all of the other uh, tales that accompany Christmas, the, uh, the story that we all sense is real is the story about Jesus. It, it somehow uh, answers all of the questions that we've been raising all of our life. Someone uh, said to George MacDonald once when they first heard the gospel, it's, it's too good to be true. They said to MacDonald, it's too good to be true. And he said, no, it's true, too true not to be good. The point is, we somehow intuitively know. I'm not even. Some, somehow, we, we intuitively know that the Christmas story is what we've been looking for. As the uh, hymn, uh, O Little Town of Bethlehem, puts it the hopes and fears of all the years are, are met in thee tonight. We just know. It makes sense. Now, I'd like to read for you the uh, Christmas story. Uh, from Luke 2, and I would appreciate it if you'd turn there uh, with me. It's so familiar in its, in its telling that we hardly need to read it. I uh, have never consciously tried to memorize the, uh, the Christmas story. Nevertheless, I've heard it so many times, I, uh, I think I know it by heart. But uh, I'd like to read, beginning with uh, the first verse of chapter 2, this story, just, uh, just to refresh your thinking. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This was the greatest event in, in all of history. Mr. Nixon, notwithstanding, the... Uh, the greatest event in history was not the, the moment when the first astronaut set foot on the moon. It was the moment when God set foot on this earth. Uh, from the very beginning, from the, from the fall of man, there had been a promise that someday God would come and set things right. Eve was told that one of her, one of her descendants would crush the head of the serpent. And uh, apparently uh, Eve was told far more than that because when her son was born, she said, I have received a man, Cain, literally, uh, who is God. She understood that the man who was to come was a God man. And uh, from that point on, every everyone in the human race looked forward to the time when someone would come who would set things right? The promise was, was given to Noah and restated to Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and uh, to, uh, 
uh, to David. And finally, uh, it happened. God himself came, as Isaiah tells us. He was Emmanuel, God with us. This was the most amazing event, event in all of history. The question then is, who could God tell? Uh, just a little bit to the southeast of, of Bethlehem, there was a, there's a hill that had been artificially flattened, and Herod, the king, had built uh, a palace on top of that hill, which he, with characteristic modesty, named for himself, Herodia, Herodium. And uh, perhaps God could have appeared uh, there and let Herod, in the, uh, who was the king, and uh, the leaders of, of the nation of Israel know that God had arrived. Or perhaps he could have appeared in Jerusalem, and he could have told uh, the priests and the Levites and the spiritual leaders of the country. But he didn't. He appeared to shepherds. You know the story, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And then in verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It was wintertime. The shepherds brought their flocks in from the, from the wilderness. Normally, they, they kept their flocks out in, away from the uh, urban centers, the cities. But it, since it was winter, they brought them into the fields around Bethlehem. And apparently, there were some shepherds, a few shepherds, we, we don't know how many, two or six or a dozen, who were keeping watch, guarding their flocks from wolves and thieves, close to the cave where Mary had given birth to Jesus. And it was to these angels, or to these shepherds, that the angel of the Lord appeared. Now, we think today of, of shepherding as, a, as an honorable profession. In fact, sometimes I tell people when they ask me what I do, that I'm a shepherd. Because uh, our word pastor comes from a Latin word that means shepherd. That doesn't jam the conversation quite as badly as telling them I'm a pastor. That, that ruins everything. <clears throat> so I tell them I'm a shepherd. That's, a, that's an honorable profession. And uh, I love to talk to shepherds, sometimes up in the, in the, in the hills. They're, they're delightful people. But in these days, shepherding was not an honorable profession. As a matter of fact, Jewish men in those days prayed that their sons would not be either a camel driver or a shepherd because shepherds were thieves and robbers and brigands and uh, they were despised. 
they were considered to be unreligious men. They weren't permitted to go to the synagogues or the temples. They were people on the outside, hard-drinking, hard-fisted, mean, ornery, tough, rugged men that really, as far as people could, uh, could determine, had no room in their life for God. And the interesting thing to me is that it was to these shepherds that God made the announcement that he had come to earth. Why didn't he go to the religious leaders? Why didn't he go to Herod? Well, he bypassed the leadership of the country, and he went to a group of people who are very much like cowboys today. If you were to go up into the Hawaii's and meet some of the people that live up there, they would be very much like these, uh, like these shepherds. We would think of them as very secular and very disinterested in spiritual things. My father used to tell me about a cowboy in Texas who had the Lord's Prayer on a plaque at the foot of his bed. And before he'd jump in bed tonight, at night, he would just point at it and say, Them's my sentiments, God. <clears throat> and that's, that's all the time he gave to God. And that's, we're inclined to think that about cowboys. And that's the way people thought about shepherds in those days. But it was to these people that the angel appeared because God knows the hearts of men. And even though he knew that these shepherds didn't seem to be interested in spiritual things, they really were. Down inside, they had a great yearning for God. And the, the angel announces, good news to you. Did you see that? Good news has been announced, he says, to all people. But I'm announcing it first to you because God wanted these people to know that they were very special to him. And he had come to meet the needs of, of their heart. And they, they said, if you want to find this, this God who has come in the flesh, he, he, he's described by the angels as Messiah, the Lord, in most of our translations, but literally, what the angel said was Messiah, Lord. And that word Lord is the word that was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for God. This is the Messiah God who was promised from, from the very beginning. And if you want to find God, then you go down to Bethlehem. And he says, I'll tell you how to find him. You look until you find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes Lying in a manger. Now you just stop and think of that for a moment. As someone has said, God contracted to a span. The infinite become infinitesimally small. Uh, God, the God-man wrapped in, in, in little strips of, of cloth, which they used to keep their limbs straight. What, what limitations imposed upon the God of the universe? And the angel said, he's down there in Bethlehem. And if you want to find him, look for a baby that's lying in a manger. Now, uh, the Jews were very prolific. They had a lot of children. And if there would be a lot of babies in Bethlehem. And there were probably a number of babies that had been born that night because the, the city was crammed with people. But, but this baby would be found in a, in a manger, in a feed trough. Uh, my father used to have a little wooden box in in the, each manger that he used for a loose feed. And it, it was that sort of thing in which the baby Jesus was laid. He said, you want to find God? That's where he is. And so the angels just uh, packed up everything and left their sheep. And they ran down to Bethlehem. 
And they found him, Luke says. And the word that he uses means they, they, they sought him until they found him. They went from cave to cave until they found him. And after they found him, they began to tell everyone what they had found. And Luke says they went back to their homes praising God and worshiping him. These men who seemed to be totally indifferent to spiritual things became, became worshipful men. Godly men. Men who were, were seeking after God with, with all of their, of their hearts. You see, God knew their heart. And he came to meet the needs of those hearts. And God knows our heart. Perhaps you're here and you're not religious at all. You're simply here because it's Christmas morning and the thing to do is, is to go to church. And, and you've not been involved in, in religious activities at all. But down inside your heart, all along, you've longed for God. Well, the Christmas story is that He's the Savior. He's the one who came to save us from our selfishness. And save us from our lying and our thievery. And our self-centeredness and all of the things that, that are destroying our homes and, and our community and our relationships with, with one another. He's the Savior who came to save us. And perhaps you don't look like you're looking for God, but down in, in your heart, you are. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was, I was driving down Cole Avenue and I saw this scroungy dog in the middle of the street. And he was obviously lost and, and very frightened and uh, didn't know which way to go. And he was in danger of being struck by a car. And people were shouting at him and cursing at him because he was fouling traffic up. And uh, finally the dog got so confused that he just laid down in the middle of the street. And there's a car right next to me that almost hit the dog. Uh, the driver slammed on her brakes and stopped just short of the dog, and I pulled up past her, and the dog was lying in the middle of the street, and uh, I, I opened the door, and I was going to grab the dog by the scruff of the neck and pull him into the back seat and get him out of the way before someone ran over him and, and at least get him off the street. But when I opened the door, the dog jumped right in the, in the car, right into my lap, and stuck its head <laughs> right under my coat and just cowered down and shook. And I couldn't get the dog off my lap. I, if that dog had, had arms, he would have hugged me. He was, that dog was really glad to see me. And I spent the next half hour trying to find out who he belonged to. The dog really won my heart. But I thought, you know, so many people are like that. They're running scared. They're, they're, they're looking, desperately looking for something. They're looking for a home. And they can't find it. And uh, people don't understand. Often people that are lost and, and lonely are very disagreeable people. They're hard to live with. They're not very nice. And they cause a lot of destruction wherever they go. And, and, and what, what you need to know is that God is looking for you. And when, he, when you find him, you discover that he's the one you've been looking for all of your life. He's your savior. And what you need to do is give yourself to him. Now that's what the shepherds did. And God changed their lives. He's in the business of making bad people good and good people better, as C.S. Lewis puts it. And uh, if you want to see moral progress in your life and see your life change, then Jesus is the one to whom you should go. Now I'd like to have us sing in closing.
hymn number 92. Just the first and the last verses. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And I want to read the, uh, the last verse because it summarizes what, what I think uh, I, I've tried to say this morning. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. This is a prayer. Notice. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Uh, as someone put it, though he a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, until he's born within our hearts, our life is still forlorn. It's not enough that Jesus was born in Jerusalem. He needs to be born in our hearts today. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the glad, the great glad tidings tell, Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. That's the message that was delivered to the angels, and that's the, the message to which we must respond. Either initially, perhaps this is the first time you've made that commitment to Christ, or you want to remind yourself that, that the Lord is the one who meets all of the calamity needs of your heart. Lord, out of all the gifts that we've received today, the one that's really worthwhile, the one of in, infinite worth, is the gift of yourself. We thank you for coming and, and for coming to such as us with all of our needs uh, in our hopelessness and uh, with nothing really to believe in or no one to count upon. We thank you for coming and making yourself available to us to be the Savior that we need. Now come and, and reign in our hearts as King and as Lord and set up your kingdom there and, and, and rule, uh, uh, rule all of our, of our life. Uh, rule it to every extent. We want you to be Lord. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for the new life that you grant to us, the changes that take place uh, gradually but certainly as, as you work out that lordship within us. We want to make ourselves available to you anew for this coming year. And look, pa- look back with, with real gratitude for all that you've provided for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.